Hey friends, welcome back to Safe Retreat. Again, uh, I'm just going to continue to share my sermon series that I've been working through my class through the book of Acts. And this one is again, becoming the church uh, that it's for everyone. I hope you enjoy. All right. Well, um, we're going to continue through the series of what it means to become the church. Let me just uh, give you guys a little insight where we were so that you know where we're going. Uh, the first week we talked about Pentecost and, and basically the, the start of the church. There was 120 Christians in a building. The room shook and then 3,000 came shortly after. The week after that we, we talked about uh, the, the lame beggar who was healed. Uh, it was this, this man who sat in front of the beautiful gate temple uh, day after day. And then finally John and Peter, they, they reached out to him, lifted him up, healed him, and brought him into the temple to become a church. Last week we talked about boldness and John and Peter, after being arrested from healing that man, were then set free because there wasn't enough charges to crucify them and they came forth and and the believers there, they prayed this prayer of boldness and again the room shook. And and just this this crazy uh, series of events that have happened now through Acts. Uh, And so this week we're going to go into Acts chapter 8. And then Acts chapter 9, we're not going to read the whole chapter, don't worry, but uh, I do want to start us off right at the beginning in Acts, and I want to talk about this concept that might be a little hard for us today, uh, because I think the church is for everyone. Each and every person can become a part of the church, even the worst of us. Um, so let's pray and get right into it. Lord, thank you for your convenient, overwhelming, just, uh, it doesn't make sense to me, Grace. That you, that you continue to love me and to pour into my life and to, to give me the opportunity to speak truth. And God, thank you for loving those who we sometimes think are unlovable. So let's pick up in Acts chapter 8, starting right there at verse 1. And it says, And Saul approved of his execution. If you don't know what this means, there's a, there's a disciple, his name was uh, Samuel. Um, and, and he uh, was brought forth after preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, was kicked out of the city, and then rocks were thrown at him until he died. And then his clothes were brought forth and laid down here to Saul, and he approved of his execution. So let's continue. And, and there arose that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. And he entered house after house, and he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. How can we become the church in this adversity? I mean, we're going through Acts trying to figure out how we are here today in this beautiful, wonderful building that probably cost a couple million. But back in the time when the church was first starting, there was this man who approved of an execution 
of a Christian for preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, then to go from house to house, yanking people out who just claim to be Christians, placing them in prison and killing many others, I'm sure. Yeah, it reminds me of um, one of my favorite superheroes who actually is a supervillain. Uh, don't tell my mom, I know. But see, there's this supervillain who uh, I, I was first exposed to in 2001. I'm not the biggest comic book nerd, so please forgive me if I uh, missay anything about this man, but his name is Magneto. And in 2001, the first X-Men movie came out, and uh, it showed Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine, uh, and it showed uh, Magneto, this like older, but like just, man, he, he was wicked. He could do anything. He could manipulate metal, and was like the most powerful mutant in, in the movies up to that point that I'd seen. Um, and Magneto was evil. I remember, and I think it was the second movie, him and his kind of sidekick, they, they kind of poisoned this security guard with extra lead in his body. And he was, Magneto was in this chamber that was like all plastic and see-through. And this guard comes in, and Magneto takes the, the lead out of his bloodstream, killing the man, to then break free from prison. Like, brutal, evil. He's a villain. And, and, and I know you might be thinking, why do you like someone who takes the lead out of someone's body and kills them? No, it's not that that I enjoy. But later, 2012, 13, this other movie came out in the X-Men series called Days of Future Past. And Magneto is running with all that he has with the few mutants that are left alive. See, in, in this future that they had, he had done certain things throughout his life that, that caused a chain of events to, to make these big, gigantic robots be built that would chase down and hunt mutants, and they would kill them brutally. And so there's, there's this moment in time where this, uh, there's this other mutant who has the ability of telepathy. She, she like gets into the brain of someone to go back into the, in the past and say, hey, don't go to this location because that's where the robots are coming. We're going to go here instead. And they're able to escape time and time again but it's fleeting. There's just a few more moments left before they're just not going to be able to keep running. And so Magneto is there with Charles Xavier and a few of the other like elite mutants. And they're like, this is it. Final stand. Get Logan. And if you don't know who Logan is, that's Wolverine. And he's got regenerative healing powers. And he lays there and he goes back in time to the 60s. And he begins to meet with Magneto, or Max, a young man who as you learn about his history, he, he was a Jew that was brought forth into a concentration camp. And once his powers were revealed, they took him and began to experiment on him. And they began to torture him. And his anger and, and his, his rage for humanity didn't come because humans were necessarily bad, but because of his experiences. And he wanted to prevent that for his people, mutants. And at the end of the movie, you see that that he changes and, and the, the future changes and the robots aren't built anymore because Magneto never pulled the trigger to kill the man that spiraled all of these things out of control. And you might be thinking, why am I talking so much about this nerdy comic book stuff? But I think about Saul in Magneto. You know, Saul was a well-educated Jew. He knew the laws. 
And this man, Jesus, comes forth and claims to be the Messiah. And he knows the laws. That if you're going to claim to be God, that you should be put to death. Let's, let's pick up later in, in, that, in that text. Acts chapter 9. And I'm just going to skip all the way to 17. And it says this. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. And if you don't know what happens here, Saul is is on this war path, ravaging the Christians. And he's on the way to Damascus when he is struck blind by the Lord. A light appears in the sky, and he, he bends down, and he, he can't see after the encounter. And he's told to go to Damascus where he would find Brother Ananias. And he goes there blind. For three days he's blind. And Ananias, who knows that Paul approved of the execution of his brother, who then was arresting and killing other Jews who became Christians. He knows all about it, comes forth and says, Brother Saul, the Lord's commanded me, and heals him, and the scales fall from his eyes, and he is made new. And at that point in time, Saul becomes Paul. And without him, I don't think we would have the church we have. The worst of these. Like, we can't even begin to fathom in our own lives what we have done compared to, to Saul here. I don't think any of us here have killed someone. I don't think any of us here approve of executions. I don't think any of us here break into people's homes, yanking them by their hair to put them into prison for what they believe. Yet how often do we discredit ourselves because of the minute things that we fall into? lust, spiteful anger, aggression, falling short of what God has planned for us. And we sit here and we, we wonder, how can God use me? Think about the time when, when I first learned what sanctification meant, to be made holy. My, my grandfather would have me spell it and then just say, to be made holy, and you'd give me a dollar. <laughs> That's awesome. He ingrained it in me. I knew sanctification, to be made holy. Where's my dollar? But as I began to grow and learn a bit more about what it meant, my, my mind began to think that it meant to be perfect, to never sin again, to, to never do anything wrong. And for years I walked saying, I know that I'm called, but I, there's no way I can be perfect like my grandfather. There's no way that I can be perfect. There's no way that I can do what God wants me to do because I can't be sanctified to be made holy. Where's my daughter? But through reading this text, I realized that God can use even the worst of us if we're willing to be made new, to be made holy, to become sanctified.
evil that he had done throughout his life, that he gave his last breath in days of future past to make sure that Logan would have two or three more moments in the past to have a conversation. God doesn't have to go into the past to fix where I am now, but he can take me where I am. Take me and mold me and make me new. Remove the scales from my eyes that fall so that I might be the next Paul, the next Billy Graham. Or might I just be Trevor? Might I, through the power of God, begin to change the church for the way that he wants to? Next week, we'll pick up and we'll finish this series on what it means to become the church, but I'm just going to extend it to you. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you are, or where you think you're going, God can use you today. And you can pray a simple prayer, God, forgive me. Come into my life. Make me new. You can come to these altars. You can speak to people within this congregation there is hope for you. God can use you. So pray, Lord, make me new. Make me holy. Remove everything that once was and replace it with you. Come into me. When we break bread and drink the juice, let us be reminded that you are God and your future with us today, tomorrow, and decades from now. Amen. Amen. Alright.